0: It is almost always the case that the population we wish to learn about is not a population we can look at in its entirety. The population may be too large. Asking every day how they think the current government has handled the pandemic is not practical, perhaps not even feasible. Or the population may be hypothetical. In the childbirth example from the introduction, The population we're interested in is not the 61,167 childbirths that took place last year, but the much larger number of possible childbirths that could have happened, and of which we observe just what happened last year. This, by the way, is what we're interested in because we want to learn about the probability of giving birth to a girl, a probability that will most likely be the same for many years to come, if not forever. We are not interested in what happened just last year. Thus, in practice, the only way to learn about a population is to rely on a sample from the population and then generalize from the sample to the population. In order to do so, the distribution in the sample must resemble the distribution of the population. As an example, consider the problem of learning how big a part of the Danish population is infected by COVID-19 right now. The incidence to use a password. Ignore that this changes all the time. Focus on how to get a sample that gives useful, usable information about the incidence. At the beginning of the pandemic, only people with very clear symptoms were tested, and only on a doctor say so. Clearly, the proportion of those tested who were infected will be far bigger than the incidence in the population. I mean, you basically had to have a doctor agree that you were infected to be tested. So this sample will tell us something about the probability of being infected if you have strong symptoms, but very little about the population incidence. On the other hand, the proportion of those tested positive out of the total population would be far too small. It is quite possible to be infected without having clear symptoms, without having symptoms at all in fact. Currently, tests for COVID-19 are available to every one of us. So thinking of those tested today or this week as our sample, the sample size is potentially much bigger, and the sample does not only contain people who are almost surely infected. But we would still get a biased estimate, a proportion that is too big. People who get tested will get tested for a reason, they have symptoms, or have been in close contact with someone infected. Or they may prefer to be tested to be on the safe side before going abroad or to Grant's birthday. Or they are just hypochondriacs. But we can be pretty sure that the proportion of infected among those tested will be somewhat bigger than the population incidence. A self-selected sample is just not a useful sample if we wish to learn about the population. To get a useful sample, we have to get a random sample from the population. A random sample is just a sample in which every one of us are included with the same probability independently of each other. In this way, the proportion of infected among those tested will reflect the population incidence. In Denmark, getting such a random sample is not impossible. The CPR numbers we all have gives a complete listing of the population that may be used to sample from. And the public electronic mailbox ebox provides a way to contact the people in the sample. In practice, of course, some people do not have an e-box or do not check it. But for practical purposes, this is probably a minor problem. What's as much what's What is much worse is that the majority of those invited to be tested ignored the invitation. Even this almost perfect sampling strategy ended with a self-selected sample. A probably biased sample. Anyway, the answer to the question of how to get a useful sample is random sampling from the population. It is not the only answer, but on this course, the random sample is what we can handle. A random sample is a representative sample. It represents every aspect of the population in a fair way. Note that a representative sample does not have anything to do with the sample size. A larger sample is no more representative than a smaller one, though of course, To estimate the COVID-19 incidence in Denmark, the sample must be quite big to ensure that we get any infected in the sample. We need a bigger sample for rare events to get an informative result. But even a small sample gives a valid result, if only the sample is random. Bigger samples gives more certainty, but if the sample is not representative, then the bigger sample just gives us more mistakes with more certainty. Not better results. If we were interested in comparing first year IB students to first year shipping students, it would be fine to have a random sample of the same size from each population. If, however, we were interested in the population of first year students on this course, then the combined sample would be biased. It would have as many shipping students as IB students, but there are approximately four times as many IB students as there are shipping students in the population. So, shipping students would be overrepresented in our sample. The two samples would be useful for comparing the two populations, but would not be representative of the combined population. If you ponder it for a bit, You may realize that by suitably weighting the two samples, we can indeed learn about the combined population. This is an example of a stratified random sampling scheme. It is mentioned in the book, but the details of how to work with such a sample is beyond this course. Getting a random sample from a population is however difficult in practice. The possibility of using CPR and e-box is something that may be done in Denmark, but not everywhere else. And often the entire population is not the population of interest. The population of small and medium-sized enterprises. Shipping companies in Europe. School children in Wales. Cattle in Africa. How to sample these populations? Many of the surveys we see in papers or online are based on panels, a database of survey participants recruited by a survey company. These panels are rarely truly representative. Young people, in particular young males, as well as immigrants and descendants are particularly hard to recruit to these panels. Survey companies routinely routinely correct for such known biases in their panels. Another option is to use random digit dialing. A computer generates random phone numbers that are subsequently dialed. I'll leave to you to think about what kind of biases one may encounter using random digit dialing. Often we have to make do with less than a random sample. Much of economics is based on observational data. We do not sample the population as such, but take the data we get consider carefully what it may be representative of and try to draw conclusions based on what we see. Of course, this can work reasonably well or be a total disaster. Cause and effect are really difficult to establish from observational data. The whole hydroxychloroquine, you remember, the drug President Trump said would sort out the the pandemic. The whole hydroxychloroquine debacle is an example of this. The evidence available in the beginning was first anecdotal. A French doctor claimed that he had cured COVID-19 patients with hydrochloroquine. Chlor- chlor- sorry, hydroxychloroquine. Later, there was results from the Veterans Hospital in the United States. Here, a much higher proportion of those treated with hydroxychloroquine died than those not treated. But treatment and who got the drug, who didn't, was not at random, making the study observational rather than experimental. Did they die because the drug was dangerous? Or did they die because the drug was given to those who were more affected by the disease? To some extent, we can correct for this statistically, and we'll think about that later on this course. Cause and effect is much more easily established when we control the experiment and allocate treatment at random. Ideally, we would get a random sample from from the population, infect them with COVID-19, and then randomly allocate them to treatment groups. But clearly, there are some ethical issues here. So to conclude, to be sure to obtain valid results from our statistical analysis, we need a representative sample from the population. The way to get a representative sample is to sample at random, but in practice we may have to settle for less. If so, we should consider carefully not whether a sample is representative or not, but what it is representative of.